football in the Chandler, Arizona area. And you know what, folks? There is nothing quite like it. Small schools, big schools. We have you covered, and we're blessed to talk about high school football each and every week. It's very competitive out here. And you know what? I'd say no one covers high school football, especially in the Chandler area, like we do. This is the Seatown Rivals podcast presented by BQ Enterprises. BQ Enterprises, very simply, a legal shield associate. But back to business, and you know what? Wow, I took off a week, and I'm very happy to be back, very happy to be joined by my guys as we'll bring in Chili, as Chili is, he's a guy like none other, and you can just look at his T-shirt, hashtag time to eat, and that's what the boys from Chandler, Arizona have been doing consistently. That's what we've been doing for nine years as we bring in this podcast. And speaking of nine years, Ralph Amson, he's the guy who's thought about it and he said you know what this could work and it is working ralph amson how you doing buddy i'm doing well i'm doing well did you guys know that uh yesterday or actually the day before yesterday was the um eight year anniversary of chandler breaking the 17 game streak against hamilton that is uh that was nuts i actually did see that and it's like wow i think back in what were we all doing eight, nine years ago? And we've come a long way since then. And certainly the Chandler Wolves have come a long way since then. And we'll talk so much about them over the course of the podcast. And Ralph, I'll definitely say I like that you bring some trivia over the course of a given week. You um, you bring a lot, Ralph. I'll definitely say it. And uh, Chili, you bring a lot in your own way as well. Very special way. How you doing, bro? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Uh, you know, uh, it was an interesting weekend. Had some fun. Um, got some football in and um, disappointed that my Yankees lost or, you know, kind of our Yankees. You ran Thank you. Them. You know I was going to get on you. <laughs> right. Uh, I, you know, I'm disappointed with the loss last night, but, you know, I'll persevere. You know, we got some good Chandler football coming up. Uh, City of Chandler football coming up this weekend. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited. Absolutely. Six wins and two losses is what our teams were. So let's dive in and let's begin with one of the teams that's on a nice streak after dropping their first two games of the season, the Arizona College Prep Knights. They've now won four in a row. Their latest win, 27-26 over Moon Valley. Junior quarterback Jaden Diaz, he's starting to find his rhythm. He threw for two touchdowns. He ran for two touchdowns in the win over the Rockets. Chili, this team is starting to gel as we hit that midseason point. Hey, man, uh, you know, four victories in a row, uh, nothing to, you know, uh, bat an eye at. And I love what Coach Bluford has his team doing. Uh, Coach Bluford actually wasn't coaching this past weekend. Um, I, I guess he had to sit out for, uh, I don't know, injection or something like that. I, I, I saw him actually oh, wow. at the game that I was at, the ALA Gilbert North, uh, ALA Queen Creek game. And, um, yeah, so – he uh, he told me that he had to sit the game out or whatever, and somebody else was coaching. I'm guessing, obviously, with the lead assistant or whatever. And the, hey, look, the team managed to get uh, a close victory. They squeaked out a close one versus a team that is a 4A team. And so playing up, they did their thing. They held on, got the victory. Uh, Bryce Chen uh, looking better and better each week. And you know, is one of those things like. Uh, you know, sometimes when you're missing your star player, it's it's hard to, 
you know, get some things going and with Bryce back and the leadership fully there, I think, you know, it's been uh, a lot easier the past couple of weeks. And um, yeah, man, I think that, you know, uh, this team is definitely going to be on the up and up. And I know they got a tough one this week. Definitely. And Ralph, obviously, it's weird to see that Blueford gets tossed from a game. I was unaware of that. He's mild mannered. You, you just wouldn't think that he would be uh, not allowed to coach for whatever reason. It's just weird. But more importantly, they're doing some good things over there. They are. They are. And I want to give a shout out to Jet Uzel, who uh, went three for three on extra points. That ends up being the difference in a one point game. You, you, you never know how much those special teams players are, are, are going to help you until it actually makes the the literal difference. Um you know, Moon Valley's a bigger school. It's a more established school. It's, I think, 15 years removed from actually winning a uh, a state title at the 4 or 5A level, whatever it was back then. And so, obviously, things have changed. Demographics have changed. The Where the suburbs are have changed and, and everything like that. But a, a win's a win. And especially when you, you, we started out the season 0-2, you got Bryce Chen back. He, he got in the end zone. You got to feel really good about where you're at right now. Definitely, and indeed, and we'll talk more about their big game, but in a couple of days, they host the 5-1 and one ALA Gilbert North Eagles. The number one team in 3A, they continue to be the Valley Christian Trojans 6-0 and this season after a 48-27 win over the Safford Bulldogs. Caden Majersik, 212 rushing yards. Quarterback Hunter Herringer, he got it going in the air with 254 passing yards. And a junior wide receiver, Adam Bradford, he stepped it up with over 100 yards on seven catches. Ralph, going to Safford, not an easy place to play, but they handle their business. No, Safford is not an easy place to play. I've, I've actually been to a couple of Safford games. They swarmed the ball. They're very, very tough. They've been playing together since youth football. Um, and this game, I actually had a chance to watch most of this game on, on a really, really great live stream. Lee Patterson actually did this game. So I was getting professional level commentary there we go. Um, for a high school football game. And, and that was kind of fun. Um, Safford Just wait till I start doing some play-by-play in the fall. Oh, hey. no, I'm, I'm excited for that, for sure. I've, I've watched, uh, from being out here in Charlotte, I've watched uh, most of the high school football that I've seen has been on a stream. Some of it's students, some of it's no commentary at all. And so it was a breath of fresh air to get to, to, to get Lee on there uh, with that deep voice and everything. But it, this this game was really close um, for a long time until, until Valley Christian pulled away. Safford wasn't just hanging around. They were really taking it to – to Valley Christian and, and, um, and you got a heavy dose of, of a major in this game, 20 carries for 212 yards. He broke a 65 yard run, did not get into the end zone on that run. He got chased down from behind. <laughs> uh, you, it's one of those things where you're, where, where you, you get, uh, your burst comes so early. Like this was from the, I think the 20 yard line or something like that. Your burst comes so early that you, you kind of run out of gas. So that was, it was an awesome 65 yard run, but it was kind of funny to see that like, Oh man, he was wishing that end zone was a little bit closer. Um, and then uh, Adam Bradford, who I don't feel like we've heard much from goes over hundred yards Correct. receiving with seven catches. And you need that. You need people to step up uh, uh, to, to make a big difference. Um, then, of course, you know, we're going to do the Justin Rager check. And, and he had two tackles for a loss, 15 tackles total. And he continues to just pile up the stats. And Chile, hey. as we see this slogan on the bottom of the screen, Trojans are number one 
This is such a good team. I mean, we've seen some good VC teams before, but never have they been at the top of the list. No, th- this is this is the one. I think that this is the team. We're going to see them in the final four. Uh, that talented uh, receiver over there, Austin Gerard, he's caught a touchdown in every game so far this year. Um, man, they got something special uh, cooking over there. I love what Coach Peterson has. Um, like I said, this team is unusually deep for a 3A team in the sense that they have like 19 different starters. Um, man, they got they got dudes. Trayton Horseman over there. Like, it, it doesn't stop. And I think that this team's going to be special. You, you can probably pencil them in the final four. Like I said, uh, you know, the past few weeks, the only thing I'm hoping is that they don't um, – they don't get like that Seton syndrome where Seton kind of, you know, pulled their players early in so many games that they forgot what it was like to play in the third and fourth quarter. So, you know, I, I hope that they're getting those late late game reps. Ralph, I know you're watching these games on the stream, so uh, I'm not sure if that's something yeah, that you're actually No, this was, a, this was a weird game because they kind of had to play everybody because Safford was hanging around. And then they just broke it wide open in the second half. But the crazy thing is, I tell you, this game is close, but they also threw a pick and missed two field goals and had a drive stall out where they had to kick another field goal. Like they easily could have dropped 65 on Safford, but Safford's tough. And they kept it. it, I know it reads as a, as a three touchdown win, but right. it was actually competitive. So they they had to keep everybody. And then that's where you saw their depth take over. That's what's going to happen when you're at the 3A level is that depth is going to make that difference in the third and fourth quarters. That's definitely good to see. And I really think that this is a team that, uh, as we said, hopefully they can get to the semifinals at least. We don't want to look ahead too far. But at the same time, this is certainly one of the better teams, if not the best VC team that we've seen the Trojans, they're averaging 42 points a game. They probably will get that this week. They head to Scottsdale with a date for the Coronado Duns. Moving to the 4A conference, the Seton Catholic Sentinels. They fall to Goldwater High School 20-13. to Chili, I'll ask you, what do you know about the Sentinels right now? I mean, you guys may have touched on this last week, but you figure Seton was 2-1 and one at one point. COVID seemed to have gotten them for one week, and then they lose to a team, a Goldwater team that was winless coming in. What's kind of going on over there at 1150 Dobson? Uh, the losses, I mean, look, I, I can't I can't imagine how it is for the players and the coaching staff and stuff like that. The loss is kind of disappointing for me because I thought that this was one of those very, very winnable games, uh-huh. uh, rebound off the uh, crazy COVID situation that happened last minute. Um, you kind of you needed this game because if you're losing Casa Grande, on the schedule for strength of schedule, things like that. You need all the wins that you can get. Um, man, th- th- this one hurts a little bit and I don't know where it went wrong. Um, I-, I know that Goldwater's got some talent over there, but there was no reason for me to believe that like Mikey Castro and company and uh, you know, uh, Mikey Williamson Williams as well, thing, like that they couldn't get the job done. So I'm trying, I'm trying to figure this out and piece this together. Uh, I see Morris played, uh, I see Williamson played. I see Castro played. And um, this is a game that I thought Castro could have had a, a signature type game, a big, you know, uh, 250, 300 uh, all, all uh, total yards game. And it, it just didn't work out. So I'm, I'm a little confused. And um, I, know, I know the guys will get it together. But, man, losing that Casa Grand game is tough um, altogether. And then, you know, also you lose – another winnable game on your schedule you uh-huh. actually put a loss in the loss column 
um, I, I think it's going to be a tough rebound because you're rebounding off of uh, kind of back-to-back losses, but very, very, very different. I'll definitely say, Chili, yeah, the one word that you said, confused. And, Ralph, I think that's a great word. I am confused about these Sentinels. I mean, it seems like they're up when we think they may be down a little bit. And down, when we're, it's a, it seems like it's a roller coaster over there. And hopefully they have time to right the ship. Yeah, this was a matter of – so you're playing Goldwater. They run that, like, wonky option offense. And yeah. You have to, it's really, really hard to force any turnovers when they're not going to be throwing the ball. Um, so you can't turn the ball over yourself. And unfortunately, um, they threw two interceptions trying to get back into the game. And then the time of possession was just brutal. Uh, you had four explosive plays in the run game from Goldwater that went over 20 yards. Rodriguez and Baker both had 28-yard runs. Yondo Wynn had a 56-yard run. Jesse Martinez had a 37-yard run. And you have to realize, like, that made up for the bulk of what they did uh, offensively. Because if you if you just subtract the four long runs that they had, Seton Catholic was actually doing a pretty good job stuffing the run, held them to four and a half yards of carry outside of those four carries. So it's just a matter of you couldn't get the defense off the field. You gave up a couple of big plays, and then you turned the ball over. Seton had the opportunity to come back. They had the ball down one score, driving in the fourth quarter. They turned the ball over again. That ended the game. So it was close. Goldwater might have been 0-3, but they played a lot of the same teams as Seton, and it's been a tough schedule. So Buena's a good team. Agua Fria is 4-1. and And then obviously they both have Deer Valley as a common opponent, and they both lost by the same amount to, to Deer Valley. So um, it was just a matter of turnovers. that you, you Turned the ball over twice, couldn't stop the run, and that's the end of the game. And indeed, tough match against the Glendale Cardinals coming up. Yes. They'll visit Chandler as Glendale is indeed four and one on the year. The Perry Pumas, they are now two and three on the season after dropping a 42 7 decision to the Hamilton Huskies. Ralph will dive into Hamilton a bit later, but is it fair to say the Puma offense is stalling right now, just seven points in each of their last two games? Yes, <laughs> that's definitely. That is definitely fair to say. I don't think that um, uh, I I don't know. I think, you know, I I heard something this last week and I, I don't want to get too into it, but that, you know, the Perry game being early in the season against Basha might have been a way to avoid, you know, hopefully some of Basha's starters to give them a competitive edge. And I don't know, man. It's just that the, the Perry schedule coming up is brutal. It's tough. Like, I don't know if you guys have it in front of you, but obviously they have Chandler. Obviously they have yep. Hamilton, but I think they have Highland too. I believe they yeah, do. Yeah, they have Highland and then Castile. Castile, yeah. It's, and uh, Castile is is tough as hell. Uh, we're, I mean, they, got Higley, they got Higley in there. So, I mean, their running back could probably get 400 yards at some point, you know, because uh, teams are licking their chops at Higley and especially yeah. running backs. So I'm wondering, they got five games left in the season, and, and I'm sitting here wondering if they'll even oh. score seven touchdowns. Wow. Well, they play Higley, so they definitely have a chance to at least get like five, right? Because running backs against Higley are popping off for 405 weekly. So, yeah. True. I mean, Chile, I guess- let me ask you this Who are some of the uh, potential offensive weapons for the Pumas? I mean, we know all about Colter Brown. I mean, he's trying to do as much as he can, but. Let me ask you this. When they do face Higley, who is a running back or two that could combine for 400 yards? Because, yes, we know the Knights defense, the Higley Knights defense is 
softer than Chandler, yeah. people say. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, look, it's just, it's just weird, right? Because like for so many years, we kind of uh, beat up uh, Perry's defense, right? And, yeah. Uh, show kind of showed love to their offense and their offense was getting it done, carrying the team um, mm-hmm. as, as it as works for, you know, most teams. And right now it seems flipped. Like it's, it's a confusing time. I think for us now, like, yes. Wow. Perry defense is like kind of good. Like I love Aiden Herring. I think that he's absolutely special as a D end. And um, you know, they got some dudes as far as a running and the back cornerback who we had on the show, Snowden, CJ Snowden looks really, really good. I've watched this film. Um, he's able to do some things. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be one of the court. Maybe it's going to be the quarterback uh, Brown that pops off for 400, but maybe it's going to be uh, the kid Ford. Like, um, look, I know they lost Brock Ford. They're giving him more and more carries every hey. week. I love to see it. Shout right. Out to Brock he, Ford. Right. And you know, he got 16 of them against Hamilton and was able to muster up 58 yards. Like I think dude, his first, first varsity touchdown ever. Uh, quite possibly. Yeah. Quite possibly. Um, look, I, Perry's gonna, Perry's gonna have to figure this out. It's just gonna be a very, very difficult road in figuring out, figuring it out. They own Awatuki, and I think that they are building something better for next year than they were building for this year. And- we talked about their their quarterbacks being threats in the running game. Chili, they had they had four total carries for negative three yards. Yeah, Ham- Hamilton's tricky though. Like I don't, I don't think quarterbacks like unless they're natural dual threats. I don't think that quarterbacks are just going to rush for a bunch of yards against uh, against Hamilton like that. That front seven is uh, too good. And I know we're going to get into them in a little bit, so um, I'll leave that there. But, um, you know, Colter Brown, talented kid, uh, does well. Gavin Reitz, I've been on him for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately, he's just had to move around a little bit. Um, but, yeah, these guys, these guys, man, again, I, I hate to say it like this, against a softer schedule, these guys could, you know, possibly, you know, be a – a, a winning team they could be a six and four team if they had if they caught like a corona del sol type situation where they right. got an easier region and had a, a little softer schedule this premier region it just seems like a lot and i know they the kids i've talked to a bunch of them they take a lot of pride in being in this premier region so they're gonna fight um i like i do i like this perry team more than i've liked a couple of the past perry teams um they got dudes on the offensive line that get a lot of push. Uh, Trevor Swan's special. Brody mm-hmm. Smith is a dude. And, you know, I don't know. If Ford is the guy, if Ford is the guy, expect him to, you know, get, you know, 20 carries a game, 18 carries a game over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, it, it's going to it's gonna balance out, unfortunately, when they see Higley and our guy Zuby over there. Here we go. Let's, uh, yes, let's hope that Ford and Coulter Brown get it done. But, this I've week, as we know, it'll be it'll be tough against Chandler because everybody has it tough against the Chandler Wolves. But uh, I do have see. a challenge for Perry's defense, though. Okay. Okay. They're only giving up thirty-two and a half points a game up to this point in the season. Let's see if we can keep it under forty on average for the whole season. For the whole season, hey, that that's not unreasonable, Brett. That's that's all right. You find it. Yeah, okay. Hey, that's not unreasonable. We've got to mark that down. Mark that down. <laughs> I feel like they almost did it last year. No, they didn't. 46. <laughs> Never mind. I was wrong. That's nah, uh but yeah, now two, two touchdown uh, improvement, two touchdown improvement year over year. Correct. No, that's very <laughs> true. <laughs> the Castile Colts, they had no trouble this past week disposing of the Higley Knights 47-27 to improve to three and one on the season. 
I think we may have set a record. I'm big into numbers, but Chili, can you recall anyone on or Ralph for that matter on this podcast breaking off 384 yards on the ground like Murphy did? Oh, and five touchdowns. Chili, ramble for 60 seconds. It had to be that Chandler versus Perry game that one year where Chandler had like 700 rushing yards. Um, right. A but years did anyone ago. individually break off for that much oh, for man, 387? I can't remember. That was the year that Jaheim Majet was over there. But what this Castile team did was absolutely special. They only threw the ball like five times. So, like, I mean, Coach Newcomb found something that was working, and he did not go away from it. I absolutely love the way that Coach Newcomb coaches his teams. Um, you know, I was hard on him a few years ago. I always bring this up and uh, about the exodus that was going on. And uh, he's got a program. It's going to run the way that he wants it to run, and it's it's ran very, very well. Um, look, A.J. Murphy uh, – Castile, no strangers having uh, talented running backs. AJ Murphy's breaking out, right? I said that, you know, somebody had to kind of get this done over there. Somebody had to be the leader on the ground and uh, take over. And AJ Murphy said, hey, let me step up. Give me the carries. Let's see what I can do. And sure enough, against Higley, like he, man, he ran through them. Like, it, I, I was getting the updates and it was like, uh aj murphy has 250 yards rushing in like the first half or whatever and then aj murphy now at three 305 or whatever and then aj murphy at 350 and i'm like oh my god is this guy get i'm at the ala gilbert north queen creek game and i'm like dude is this guy gonna get 400 yards and sure enough he got he ended up with 384 uh shout out to him uh the offensive line okalita varela uh they were amazing so Hey, they, they, they did their job. They did Absolutely. Their job. And Ralph, yes, they are doing a phenomenal job over there with the Castile Colts. Some of the other weapons you got, Ralph? Well, they had three linebacker interceptions, which was crazy. Colton wow. Rittenauer had two in the first quarter, I think. Um, and then Austin Young ended up coming up with another one, I think maybe right as the third quarter started. Because this was another game that I watched, and I really, really did like what A.J. Young was doing. And it wasn't like Landon Jury, you know, was out of or uninvolved in the offense um, just because they had only thrown the ball five times all game. He was running around the edge a bunch. He had 57 yards uh, rushing himself and two touchdowns. And I think the thing that I liked most about this game is Higley actually came back to, I want to say, take a lead or at least tie the game. No, they took a lead. Higley had the lead at halftime. And uh, Castillo came out and, and outscored Higley 31-7 to in the second half. Um, Chile always likes to bring up that, you know, that there was that um, process by which, you know, when coach Newcomb was coming in and, and putting into play his, his culture that you did have a lot of guys decide that the Castile program wasn't going to be for them. I remember being invited out to speak to that team and just telling them like, Hey, it's better for you. You look around at the other people in the room that are still left and this is the culture you build around it. And, what I did not expect from Castile was to become one of the most hard-nosed football teams mm -hmm. in the East Valley. I never thought like, uh, you know, Castile was going to be the Stanford of Arizona high school football and go out there using intellectual brutality. But here we are. They are tough. They are hard-nosed. I feel like Brock Dew put his fingerprints all over that football program and became yep. the model for how everybody's going to be. They're tough on defense. They're tough in the secondary. The linebackers can make plays. Obviously, they have one of the best defensive linemen in the state. And now, all of a sudden, they got a running game, which is something that they've never had. They've never had a feature back. And if A.J. Murphy, who has – 
what, like 530 rushing yards in his last two games. If he's going to be the guy, you go back and you look at that game against Hamilton and, and with the understanding that Castile came pretty close to, to scoring a major upset there. Yep. You got to think to yourself, what else can they do? They can, they can do a lot there. This is a very capable Castile team and they'll be on display. They've got a road trip this week. They don't have to go far. They play the four and Oh Queen Creek Bulldogs. I mean, I think that's going to be a, Big battle, obviously. We'll talk about that yeah, towards I, the end of the show. I have a question for Chili. Would you be would you be satisfied for Castile to go three and three the rest of the way? Because their schedule is also very tough. They do have a tough schedule. First year in the Premier Region. I mean, uh, three and three the rest of the way. That takes them to what six and four. Six um, and four, but the losses would be to like. Hamilton, Hamilton, Chandler, Williamsfield, and either Queen Creek or Highland. They're going to have to beat one team above them to get to six and four is, is the point I'm trying to Very make. Very true. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think this is, I think this team could, I think this team could win seven. I guess six and four would satisfy me, but I think a seven, could... a seven win season would mean beating either Queen Creek or Williamsfield, Chandler, or Highland, or Desert. Desert's pretty good too. So it, you'd have to get, you'd have to in those games. Well, they got they got Perry on their schedule too. Like, and I think that Queen Creek, Williamsfield, um, Perry, and Desert Ridge are all very winnable for them. They can compete in those games and win. Those are 50-50s. It'll be okay. uh, it'll be good stuff. I mean, Queen Creek is four and zero. Yeah, and let's we'll jump into. I, I definitely want to talk more about the Queen Creek Castile game right after we wrap up some of the other games. But, yeah, they, the Colts have a tough schedule, and we'll see how they um, how they shake out. The Basha Bears, 5-0 and after a 48 nothing win over Valley Vista. Bryson Deadman, six catches for 133 yards. Ralph, the old adage is offense gets people excited, but defense wins championships. I don't know what championship or what title they may or may not win this year, but they seem to be getting better each and every week, Ralph. Yeah, I spent some time talking to Coach McDonald last week and because he wanted to make sure that he had a chance to make fun of me for what I said on this podcast. Um, uh, he, he, he thinks that I picked Perry, and I tried to set the record straight that I did not pick Perry to beat Basha. I said that if Perry doesn't think that it's a possibility, don't go out on the field. And I, so I had, I had to set the record straight there. But one of the things he told me that I, I'm, I'm starting to believe is he said Basha's secondary is second to none. And I know that that's Chandler Unified School District slogan, but he's applying it to his defensive backs that they might be the best in the whole state. I'm wondering how Chili feels about that, knowing, knowing that Chandler's out there, knowing that Hamilton's out there. Uh, do, do you feel like he's right? Um. Look, man, it, it, it. We can get into the Chandler talk when the Chandler talk is time. Um, for now, for now, I was talking about uh, one unit. Ba- ba- one Bash unit. is going to have to. Bash is going to have to live with what I'm about to say. Um, next year, I think that this is going to be the best secondary in the country. This year, right now, until they win this championship, until they put up that gold ball, um, I think that this is the second best secondary in the state because there's another secondary that has done it for already one year and kind of like two years. All right. So you're saying they're better than Hamilton though. Right now. I think they are <laughs> right now. I think they're better than Hamilton. Um, 
Look, Cole Martin is a is a phenomenal talent. Jeremiah Bessel, I warned everybody about him. Um, and people were questioning, like, oh, I don't know, Chili. Like, do you really think he's that good? Yes, I think he is that good. Miles Lockhart, I told everybody that he was going to be an impact player early. Um, you know, you just kind of get a look at these guys and you know what they're about. Uh, Tommy Prassis, I was early on him also. Um, man, look, I remember putting Cole Martin on my uh, – all decade team and people were like oh my god like i don't know if he's the guy like all the pure analysts out there but stop that like look these guys can go and these guys are gonna shut mouths the rest of the way these guys are gonna be in the open i told everybody that at the beginning of the season listen now listen just listen because it, it is time these boys are here now they got that uh hollywood walk of fame lineup over there where everybody knows everybody on this team so Hey, just 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 beware. Beware of the Bears. It's a strong team. There's no doubt about that. And I mean, it's it's just a it's a pleasure to see them five and zero. I mean, obviously, we've covered them over some lean years that the Bears have had. So to see them not only being the talk of Sea Town, but essentially the talk of the state. I mean, to be in, they're not even going to be in the open. They're going to be in. I'm going to say probably the upper echelon. I mean, they could have a home game in the open. I mean, this is a team that's uh, that's really strong. They're going to run Awatuki. That's who they play this week, a two-and-two two Desert Vista team. So, I mean, overall, this is a uh, strong Bears team. I'll ask you, I don't know if you guys have the schedule up in front of yeah, you. Yeah, I got, I got it. Will they post another donut this year? Yes, for sure, okay. without that's question. Fair. That is without definitely question. fair. Ralph? Uh, they got Chavez, and so maybe I do like Chavez's offense a little bit. I'll say no. Um, maybe issue it as a challenge or whatever. What I want to know is if is if they'll have two 90-yard touchdowns in a game ever again because they got a 91-yard return and a 96-yard uh, by um, Cole Martin and then a 96-yard touchdown run by Miles Lockhart. I don't remember ever seeing that before, two 90-plus-yard no. touchdowns. Remember Doc O'Connor? Did, didn't Doc O'Connor do it that one year? Because me and you, like when Twitter was just starting and you were like, oh, my God, Doc O'Connor just got like a 90-yard kick return and then a 90-yard uh, reception. That is a great plays. question. You, you guys talk and I'll figure it out. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that's happened maybe with – well, I think we've seen it with Chandler also. It was Doc um, O'Connor's sophomore year, I think, FYI. That that sounds right. Sophomore year, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll definitely I'll definitely check on, on that to see if he – it wasn't his sophomore year. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. He had an 87-yard rushing touchdown and an 80-yard receiving touchdown as a junior – Oh, maybe that's it. So um, then, yeah, he probably did not repeat that. Maybe we're rounding up. I'll check his. I'll check his seat. Ninety, because ninety's extreme. You're not backed up inside your own ten yeah. very often. But I, I am, I am checking to see. Um, nope, that was it. He had, he had, he had yeah, the double eighties, but not in the same game as a as a junior. Oh, I, I felt one okay. of the Chandler kids did it a few years back. I, I thought if it wasn't Johnny Johnson, it was another. Another kid who I can't recall. I feel they did it against Perry. I feel it was like a 45. (laughs) It was a second half track meet. And I, because there was definitely a 95 yard run mixed in. And I can't recall if the same game game they ran for like 600 yards, the the regular season one before the championship. No, I'm even talking a different game. Different game. This game was at Perry. 
in 2016. I can't recall, but it was. Uh, All right, I'll find it. I'll find it. While you guys, you okay. guys go ahead. I'll, I'll hit the research. <laughs> Sounds good. So let's, uh, while Ralph is doing some research, we'll talk about the Hamilton Huskies. They're now 5-0 and on the season after their previously talked about 42-7 win over Perry. Nico Marchio, four touchdown passes in this one. I'm liking the running back, Junior Nick Switzer, 121 rushing yards. I was going to ask Ralph this, but I'll while Ralph is still researching, Chili, I know you're a fan of Christian Anaya as well. Nine catches, 141 yards. Just talk about that combination of Marchio to Anaya. Hey, man, they've developed something really, really special, right? And uh, Anaya's kind of the Batman in that wide receiver room. Uh, he's completely taken a taking the lead over there and everybody's kind of just following him. He needs to find a Robin. I think it is imperative that they find somebody to run along next to him because man, he, he won't, it is so hard to do it by yourself. So whether it's Masunas or uh, Trace Spivey, somebody's got to develop next to him, but Anaya is absolutely killing people. Criminally underrated. Um, I've had him as my uh, number four receiver in this class, like forever, just because I have, uh, players like Keon Grays, uh, Javon Jacobs, and uh, Karan Adams in there. And I know there's questions about Karan Adams and Javon Jacobs. Are they pure receivers or or those uh, running back hybrid types? So uh, Anaya could be two or or four or three or whatever. But this kid is criminally under-recruited, underrated. Um, absolutely love the way he plays. He shreds defenses. Uh, he finds ways to get open. Um, he does well in space, like, and finding it. So, man, what him and Nico have done and built uh, over the past year has been amazing. And speaking of underrated, our next guest I feel is underrated and under-recruited, and that is Grant DeGraffenried. He's a big part of that Hamilton Huskies defense. I am here with one of the defensive aces of the Hamilton Huskies, and that is Grant DeGraffenried. And, Grant, you guys are coming off a 42-7 to victory over the Perry Pumas. Defensively, you guys are, are gelling. Just kind of walk us through this contest because it seems like they didn't do much offensively. No, they're, they're a great team. Um, so our key points were as there are many formations that they run. We want to, like, minimize the amount of read option plays and, and big plays that they had. They had one on us towards, like, I think the second half, third quarter that they had, but – that was our biggest factor was eliminating their QB threats. You know, QB has majority of the carries this season. And that was one of our biggest, biggest like worries or just things that we're trying to uh, guard against was his big plays running with his legs and also using those RPOs going linear on the uh, line of scrimmage and making downfield passes with his big arm. So it was, it was one of those things where it was like, we, everybody did the job. Everybody did what they had to do, use everything in their toolbox and, we came out with the victory, so it was a, it was a great great way to team gel, team win, and we did we did really well. You guys definitely were solid because indeed it does seem like Coulter Brown is a guy, their quarterback. He does get a lot of the carries. That's kind of their uh, that's their mo. And you guys, uh, I'm going to say, pretty much shut that down. From a uh, I'm going to say a personal standpoint, how have you adjusted on the defense because you were a standout last year and you kind of shifted a little bit. They shifted you a little bit. How's it worked out so far as far as you being involved in the defense and you not kind of being on the line immediately all the time? Uh, it's been great. You know, Coach Doherty 
Coach mm-hmm. Bear, all the coaches, Coach Carter, Coach Kelly, Coach Janowski, they've all helped me transition with little things like eyes, you know, reading the defense in a different view now. I'm five yards back, so I don't have to react as quickly. I can let the play develop and then go attack, you know, pray, or the predators see and pray type of thing. So um, that was one of the biggest changes on being able to know everybody else's job, you know, um, knowing our defense as a whole. I feel like because I was on the D-line last year, I got a chance to just memorize, okay, this is what a D-tackle normally does. This is what he likes to do versus different situations. Now I can apply that same knowledge to the linebacker, whereas I know Deuce, he's like, he loves to do certain things on certain situations, certain formations. I'm like, okay, I got Deuce's back by covering this gap because I know he wants to get in this gap type of thing. Okay. So, yeah, learning, learning, learning the nuances of the game and then just handling, handling the new aspects of coverage, you know, working in space, working around different opponents when you have guards and tackles coming at you now. And while keeping your eyes maintained on the quarterback or running back or whatever keys that you're looking at, I think that's another big thing I've learned. And I feel like I'm still developing, but getting better at every game. Um, those are some different things as a whole. And as well as my teammates, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like being a linebacker, it's more of a directing and, and, and leading and being more of a leadership role. And I feel like I have to take that approach to the game. You know, it's not just D-line, okay, well, this is what I have to do. It's like, what is everybody else doing around me so that we're a functioning unit? And you guys are you guys are definitely functioning well. I'm not going to ask you about the the big comeback against Bishop Gorman because you probably answered a lot of questions about that. But yeah. the one yeah. thing I was um, I'm going to say concerned about you guys had the amazing comeback, but then the very next week you guys are going to a Centennial team, and while Centennial may not be what they were the last few years. Was there any – how did you guys avoid letdown going on the road against a physical team? Just knowing that the, the week is over, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like our coach already said, spit the poison out 24-hour 24, uh, 24 rule. Big wins are great, but that's just a regular season grand, game, you know, and that's not the end goal. Our end goal is all the way in December, so we still got to keep it moving each week by week um, and just do our job, you know, do your job plus one type of thing, so – Knowing in Centennial, look, this is a new team, like a new new team other than Gorman. Sure. They're well coached, well history program. You know, I think they have seven state championships in their um or more or ten or ten or twelve. I don't know, but they have many. They've got a lot. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and they're they're a well coached team. So you can't just go in and walk in and think that you're just going to run through somebody. That's not how that works. You know, it's football. Anybody, any given day. So we knew that. Um, we prepared well. I feel like good week of practice, and we just kind of. You know, remain humble. Absolutely. And keep doing what we have to do. And it's, it's week to week, every week like that. And you guys indeed are playing well on both sides of the ball. That's for sure. Obviously a tough game against Chaparral coming up. If you were a coach, I'd ask you, Hey, preview that game a little bit for me, but you still have five, six days ahead, but you know that Chaparral is a very tough opponent. So I just want to slide over to, um, kind of a couple personal things with you. Just, um, your grades, you have been a solid student really since day one, since I've met you. How are your studies coming along, and is everything still on par with that? Everything is going great. Um, I feel like my studies are improved. I feel like every year I've gotten better. I'm in AP Calculus now, which is a new challenge, but I feel like I'm conquering that challenge. Um, wow. It's, it's different. It's, mm-hmm. it's giving me like to think more and not just kind of sweeping through senior year, but it's also preparing me for college in that sense. Absolutely. Um, and then I guess my next 
My next question, as you mentioned, college, how is the recruiting going for you? And I won't ask like who specifically is interested in you or anything of that nature, but are you starting to get a little bit of feelers out there for you? Yeah, I'm starting to get Good. some buzz. Um, some people want to look at me, see me as linebacker, and that's where they really see me as or like kind of predict me to be in college, that type of edge rusher, um, middle linebacker, backer type of field hybrid. And that's, that's something that they've been impressed with and they want to continue to develop some skills that I'm still working on. And that's just all through games and repetition. And so as the season progresses, I'm hopefully I'm do what I have to do on the field and everything works out. And indeed, we're certainly hoping things work out for you because you are a hard worker on and off the field. I like the way that you have developed. I mean, you, um, Aside from playing baseball, you won the big man competition back in June. You're leading the team right now that's unbeaten. So overall, I'm going to say the sky's the limit for you, Grant. So I appreciate you joining us. Definitely. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mr. Brett. You got it. Thank you. And I'll say the one thing about Grant DeGraffenried. I mean, aside from just being well-spoken, I mean, he talks like a coach. I mean, as a defensive guy, He's explaining what he's seeing and what he needs to do to get prepared. I mean, yes, the execution is one thing and you have to execute, but preparation is a real big part of his game plan day in and day out. And that's why this Huskies defense is doing the things that they're doing. They're really good. And he's a major part of it, guys. No, I, I, I love, I, I love Grant. Um, won my big man challenge out at flight club over the summer. Um, I think that's kind of when uh, everybody really started to, uh, take notice, uh, kind of put it, put his name out there, put a stamp on, you know, who he was, uh, what type of dude he was. Um, kid has a motor that doesn't quit, man. I've watched his highlights and he has uh, one speed and that's full speed. Um, very aggressive out there. It, you know, hey, Ralph, you know, we, we talked for a, a long time preseason, best linebacking crews in, in the state. And often, uh, you know, O'Connor's group was mentioned, the trio up there was mentioned. Um, a lot of people talking about the team coming up. Uh, Basha, they got a super talented linebacking crew. But this linebacking room over at Hamilton, I think, man, super disrespected and slept on and, and underrated. People aren't talking about them enough. Uh, Tay Brown, Weddle, uh, McLaughlin, and uh, DeGraffenry. Man, these boys are in on every play. One of them is always around the ball. I think you're right. But at the same time, I think that the history of Hamilton is slept on disrespected linebackers um, because the D-line gets all, almost all the credit. And then they've That's had D-backs uh, over the course of the last number of years all go to college, whether it's Javen Wright or Jawan Johnson or, or, or Cole Luke. Or, you know, they, they, it seems like they've always got these DBs heading off to college but we couldn't get any love for Trevor Lane. We couldn't get any love. Like Santana Sterling had to walk on an ASU before going Juco, before ultimately leading UConn in tackles. Like that that, that type of stuff is, is like you, you want to be tried and true Hampton, you got to go there, be a linebacker, and, and be disrespected and just get the job done because that's that's the history of the school, right? That is so true. true. That is so true. And I love Trevor Lane. Trevor Lane was a beast. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing with Santana Sterling. Still had the hardest hit that I ever remember, you know? They like, had on that team, they had uh, Luke Parrish with them too. Luke Parrish never went on to play any college football, but that the whole D-line, 
whole D line moved on. And so, you know, it, it, your job, your job at, at Hamilton at linebacker is to just do your job. And that's what they do. They do their job. And they do their job quite well. Four wins and one loss. They is their opponent, the Chaparral Firebirds. Big one up in Scottsdale on Friday night for them. The game we missed last year. We missed that last year. And we, this is owed to us. I'm excited about it. Very true. Chandler Wolves are up next. 41 consecutive wins. This time it's 35-19 over Pinnacle. Blaine Hempa, he's doing it. 29 of 34, 310 passing yards and three touchdowns. Karan Adams on the receiving end of a clean bill. 100 yards even with a score on eight catches. But Chile, what I really like seeing, Jeremiah Moore. 131 yards on the ground and a score. we kind of been waiting for a single back to step up. And yes, the Running back by committee is always good, but when you get that feature back going on, that makes things all the more dangerous, makes everybody better around you. Yeah, it really looks like, you know, Jeremiah Moore, Khalil Valentine, one of them is going to be, it's going to kind of be that like one-two punch situation, which we've seen over the years. Uh, you know, Chase Lucas had his sidekick, TJ Green had his sidekick, Drake Anderson had his sidekick, Day uh, Day Hunter had it. So like, you know, moving on, like, I mean, if, if Jeremiah Moore is going to take the lead as a senior and then Khalil Valentine gets to, you know, uh, kind of hang back and, you know, do his thing and get his yards when he gets his yards. Um, I, I think that that's the best thing we will see uh, for Chandler and from Chandler. And that, you know, look, they're about to get Keon Gray's back. People, people forgot, like this, this team is about to get stronger and not just because of the transfers, because of one of the kids that, you know, uh, helped build this foundation, this 22 class, um, contrary to, Contrary to popular responses on Facebook, this 22 class is undefeated on the freshman level and the varsity level. Whatever happened on JV, that's kind of, you know, the black hole of like uh, high school football. Like no disrespect to the JV players out there, but it's kind of the black hole of high school football. It doesn't get any coverage. Like I, I don't know what happens on JV. Um, I know Chandler's well coached, but yeah, undefeated on freshman and, and varsity. Um, I, I, Chandler's about to kick it into a different gear and this is going to be a lot of fun to see uh, what happens with them. And, you know, 41 games in a row. Uh, if they, if they win out this year, they would break Hamilton's streak next year. Is that right? That is right. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. Would that be the dagger? Would that, would that be, Oh, how painful would that be for Hamilton to have to deal with that? Well, you figure Hamilton has a say in it on November 12th. Yes, they might have two says in it. They might have two says in it. That's absolutely one on November 12th and one on either December 4th or 11th. We're talking the semifinals and the Open. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But, yes, the Chandler Wolves indeed are, I agree, they're they're getting better. (laughs) And they were already good. And this week a road trip to Perry, no disrespect, but it should mean win number 42 consecutively. So three games I want to talk about because you guys, you guys like to venture out a little bit. The ACP Gilbert uh, North game. What do you guys see in that? Obviously, the Eagles are a tough team. They're five and one. ACP is starting to find their stretch. You got five and one against four and two. What? Pit- Look, I, I I like ACP. I love what Coach Blueford's doing. Um, I got to give the edge to American Leadership Academy in this. Um, Johnny Bellino, um, Brandon Phelps. Uh, I think they'll have Brandon Phelps back this week. Super talented receiver. 
Um, Adam DeMonte, the quarterback over there, uh, has has some experience already. The junior quarterback is tough. Um, that Bellino kid makes some unbelievable catches. Uh, their defense is super aggressive. Spencer Nielsen's talented kid over there. I I, I don't I don't know how ACP is going to contain that offense. Uh, if ACP can keep this within two touchdowns, I think that that's a mild victory to prepare for the playoffs. That's fair. And Ralph, another big game on the docket, Castile and Queen Creek. How do you see that one shaping up? Obviously the Bulldogs are very tough, but of course the Colts are no joke themselves. Yeah. I mean, this could be a, whoever has the ball last situation. Um, two very tough teams that don't make mistakes. Uh, and, and I think we slept on Queen Creek a little bit. Their win over both Chaparral and Williamsfield now means that they are, you know, they're, they're very likely headed to the open. And so this is going to be a real test for, for Castile. If they can get a win here, uh, they, they will automatically be erased from our minds as the new kids on the block. Cause there have been times when Castile's won games that I don't think we won. We expected them to win. Like when they went up against, um, uh, I think Higley in the regular season before Higley knocked him out of the playoffs. Um, I, I don't think we, I don't think we expected that. Uh, but you know, hanging close with Centennial, the two times that they did that is not the same as beating an undefeated Queen Creek who has a win over the defending six, eight champions and beat Williamsfield. Like that's that. And, and I don't know if any of those teams out there beat Williamsfield yet. I know Higley's never done it. I know Campo's never done it. I don't think Castile has either. I think, I think Williamsfield literally owns Gilbert. And so the, if, if Queen Creek can beat Williamsfield and then, and then Castile can beat Queen Creek, I think it's really time to start thinking about Castile as, as an open team. That's fair. So, That's fair. So it, just out of curiosity, guys, um, if can Castile make the open with the two losses, if their only two losses are to like, um, you know, Chandler and Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. It's very likely, right? Like, it, yes. yeah, I would feel much more comfortable with that than the, than the open formula trying to take ALA Queen Creek or something. Now, right. if their two losses are to those two schools, yes, they're in. Now, let me ask if their three losses, if their third loss comes to like Highland, who I also think is an open team, can they get in with three losses? No, no, okay. no, not with the way that things are set up right now, because you have to figure Cactus is getting in, especially if they beat Desert Edge on Friday. So, if, I mean, if Cactus beats Desert Edge on Friday, you're not going to they're they're getting scooped right out of the 4A. And if one team gets scooped out of the 4A, then there will be no three loss team Correct. in the open. That's very no. true. Good stuff, fellas. As always, chopping up got, with you. I mean, we, go ahead, Ralph. Yeah, I got I got I got uh, one thing for you, because I know you had brought it up a, a few times. Uh, Chandler, first time giving up points in the second half. Well, let me ask you this because I did not see what they did against uh, Pinnacle. Did they give up points in the second half? Got no? tw- Pinnacle got 12 in the fourth quarter. They started oh, wow. on their way back in. Deuce Robinson got a touchdown. Uh, Zach Wren was, uh, was, he was, he was fighting. He was battling. It was kind of a cool performance on, on Pinnacle's end to not quit. But I, I, I wanted to point that out that I think that streaks over. And the other thing I looked it up, I, I only found two 90 plus yard touchdowns total in Chandler against Perry in the last six years, they both belong to TJ green, but they were not in the same game. Ah, uh, okay. Interesting. Dang. So maybe it's a kick return. And is there, you, were no, you looking no at kick just... returns in all those, there, there was the one game that I'd forgotten about 
where they scored 84 points on 46 plays, but none, right. of, none of that was 90 yards plus. So Dang, if you, wow. if you find something else, let me know. But I saw that uh, TJ green had a game where he, um, he had a 90 yard touchdown run and then he had a 90 like six yarder the year before. That's good okay. stuff. I'm, I'm definitely, as we're talking, I definitely, yeah, Chili, you talk while I try to dig up the game that I'm thinking about. I could be wrong. No, for sure. Game I'm thinking of. Hey, Brett, you said you had three games that you wanted to talk about, and we only talked about two of them. What was the No, we talked about AC, uh, oh, Hamilton and uh, Chaparral. Oh, okay, Big one, okay. obviously, yes. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's crazy. Isn't it crazy that it became a rivalry after we begged for them to ever even play each other in the first place? Oh, my God. Yes. Because the, the Jack Miller, Tyler shut games kind of kicked it off. And then that was the game I was, of all the games we lost last year. And there were many. That was the one I'm to this day most disappointed about. Really? OK. OK. Yeah, because because Chaparral won it all. I was disappointed at the time, but when Chaparral won it all and you had people arguing that, that the team that they beat in the six, a final shouldn't have even been in the six, a playoffs. Like that was the argument, right? Was that Highland shouldn't have even been in that game in the first place because they should have been in the open. And so it just, it really makes me wonder if the team that won the six, a title would have been able to hang with the team that was a missed field goal away from winning the open. Oh, interesting, man. Got me jumping down that rabbit hole of man. I don't know. Oh. Grayson Stovall against uh, Anthony against Lucas. Our Anthony Lucas. What do you think's gonna happen there? Because I know Grayson. I know Grayson likes to come out and hit 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 the I told you so on the post game hey. show. No, he does. He does. Uh, look, I, I I like Grayson. Um, Anthony Lucas is one of the best talents in in high school football, and um, if, if if you if you serve your quarterbacks and running backs on a plate, he's going to eat them. Uh, Grayson Stovall is one of one of the best uh, you know protectors you know in the state. I think I think that that's going to be an exciting matchup. Uh, I, I don't like to bet against against uh, Grayson, so I won't. Um, yeah, they if he if he handles Anthony Lucas, they might got to do a midseason call up for hey, U of A. U of hey, A might need him to start next week. Hey. Grayson Stovall loves a challenge. That is one thing I know about him. He absolutely uh, handled Cyrus Moss from Gorman. Uh, there's, yeah, there's no and that's not an easy thing to do. Right. There's no reason for me to believe that he can't, you know, uh, handle Anthony Lucas either. Um, I'm looking and forward, I, and to I him. love Anthony Lucas. I'm looking forward to him having film against both of those guys. I really am. I think that'll get yeah. the U of A fans really excited because I think he also might be on the team the next time they win a game. Oh my god! Good stuff. <laughs> That's so true. That is so true. Did you find your information, Brett? I cannot. It, the, the game I'm referring to was the 2016 game, Chandler at. Any stats for it? I know there. I felt there was a. Well, obviously, Ralph, if you checked, it was there wasn't a 90 yard run, but well, whatever, maybe there were two 90 yard runs because all it shows me is the long, but it would have both had to come from TJ Green. Gotcha. Yeah, but that was the game it, that I was thinking of that had the long runs. But yeah, I'll definitely uh, look into it. But yeah, it was. I do recall that game. That was the forty-four thirty-five, and that was kind of the start of. I'm gonna say the whole Chandler Perry rivalry slash. Guys only won by nine, but we had our backups in, and oh, well, we could all of that sort of stuff. That was the game that started to turn. I remember that. I remember that, yeah, Chris Chick got yeah. so mad at the refs. Yeah, I remember that. I was there. 
Yeah, I think yes, you were we there. were there. Yeah, we were all yeah. there, if I'm correct. But that was the game I was referring to, and there was some long runs, but yeah, evidently not the 90 yard. But that's and it the all game happened that's... in the first half. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that game for that's sure. Exactly. Right. That's, that's funny. Fellas, as always, it's been real. A lot of fun. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the games. And uh, we'll see you next week. This was the Seatown Rivals podcast presented by BQ Enterprises. Bye.